from the trenches. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to From the Trenches, real life in the accounting industry. My name is David Boyer from Change GPS. This show is brought to you by BGL, Australia's number one corporate compliance and superannuation software. Joined with me is Paul Meisner from Freedom Mentoring, and we made a promise to you. We said this was not going to be another webinar, and while people all around the world get dressed up to go and take their rubbish bins out, we're going to get dressed up to do a news roundup about accounting, Paul. Absolutely. Hello, listeners. Hello. Uh, welcome to everyone. As it says, my internet connection is un- uh, unstable. Uh, I'm up at the farm, David, uh, coming to you. That's why I'm dressed like a BNS ball. Well, no, you're be- be- de- uh, really not as glamorous as the no, not as not as glamorous as everybody else, but in rural country Australia, you know, you might be a very influential person wearing the flannels there, keeping warm. You might be you we, you might actually be dealing in cattle stations for all we know. No, very very small time up here, David. But looking forward to it. We should we do a, an episode, a bit of a live show. We have uh, three very special guests tonight who are putting themselves front and centre on the trenches as well. Well, we do. We've got uh, now trenches listeners will be no stranger to Ron Lesh who got told to put on a ballroom background and said, no, I'm wearing BGL because if you've, there we go. Uh, If you ever see Ron, I've never seen Ron not wearing BGL branded gear, even on a Sunday. I literally saw him at the cafe down the road and he was wearing a BGL polo. We've got Ron Leach, your founder and CEO. We've got Nat Lennon from Two Sides Accounting. We've got Lee Duffield from All In Advisory. And they, they, these guys are really special, Paul, because they're about as bullish as we are. They they hold no punches. <laughs> uh, he's going to be a very we're, – we're ready. How are you, ladies? Ready to rumble. <laughs> Shout out to Andrew Vanderbeek. Um <laughs> Now, yeah, guys, did, did he pay you for that or was it just, where, where is he? Is he here somewhere? It just came out. Sorry, Andrew, I saw your tagline. <laughs> so here's how the show is going to run today. Paul and I are going to do our usual best and worst. It is jam-packed. I'll tell you what, you want to stick around for the worst. <laughs> We're then going to cut to Ron, who's uh, got a few thoughts about the Victorian Labor Party, a little bit upset with the media, not particularly happy with industry super funds. And I'm going to spend some time with Lee and Nat to have a chat about what the last six months has meant for them personally and in their business as well. Paul, let's stop faffing around. Let's start the show. Before we do that, though, the chat box is open the entire time. So if you guys want to get active in there, have a chat, start a fight. Uh, no, you know, I'm a bit of a pacifist. Act, no, what? Start a fight. Start. Oh, we don't care. Go nuts. Paul, best. Somebody's already called, already called, already called me looking desperate and dateless. That's good. Croc Dundee is being called. So keep it up, guys. Uh, we will, if we see any questions uh, pop up in the box for anyone, we certainly will uh, do our best. Although I can see it is moving at a rapid pace. Uh, David, what do you got? Are you kicking it off? Am I kicking it? Really matter. This is how well organised the show is. Oh right, well, what, you, what are we doing? Standard presentation. You kick it off. No, you go, mate. All right. Uh, for me, interesting thing uh, today. And uh, David, you you don't like me. I always put accountants on the best on ground. I certainly think that we we all know how hard this has been. 
But something for me that resonated, I was chatting to uh, a psychologist today, one of my clients, we're talking about JobKeeper, and the psychologist actually said to me that because of the influx or the the, uh, the extra clients they'd taken on, uh, specifically in accounting and financial services, that's how they knew about JobKeeper. Uh, and when you when you uh, when a psychologist says that they've they've learned about accounting because they they've people have uh, have rung them and come to them and see them, you know how uh, how difficult it's been in the last couple of months. Now, a hundred percent right, Paul, and it's amazing coming from a psychologist as well. Now we are getting some feedback, Paul, that we're only picking up every second word because that unstable internet connection. So maybe play around and, and turn your video off when you're yeah. offline and save a bit of your bandwidth and see if we can get that fixed up. You are on a farm, though. Don't worry, we forgive you, and you're clearly telling us that you're on a farm. Uh, best um, on yeah. best on ground. The kids are probably watching something. Yeah, they're probably watching you, thinking you're the entertainment for tonight. The best on ground for me comes from a suggestion that's come out of uh, the Motor Dealers Association group trying to get rid of luxury car tax. And their argument is that getting rid of luxury car tax reduces the price of cars and is going to get some expenditure going. You know, I think if anyone believes in that type of economics, we're going to spend our way out of a recession. The reason I like this is that it's come from the industry body. So there's an industry group that's got themselves organised and that might be a hint to what's in my worst on ground a bit later, Paul. We might have some industry associations in our sites, but I would love to see all these consumption taxes were supposed to go when GST came in. I'd love to see them go. Now, get rid of them, bad luck, wipe the slate, clean it all up, muck around with the GST, muck around. Sam Rawson wants to get Tesla's cheaper. Well, that's bad news for, for, for uh, Sam Rotberg, who's already bought his. The, I'd like to see us finally getting rid of these nonsense taxes that make expenditure and even hiring staff prohibitive and just bring in a blanket consumption tax. And it's great that it's coming from industry, not just the accounting bodies. That's a cue for you to come in, Paul. I don't know if you've done this show before or not. I think you'd have to get rid of a couple of layers of government to kind of get rid of the layers of tax. I think it would be easier to get rid of a whole layer of government uh, rather than fix the taxes individually. But I agree on that one, David. Uh, best on ground, the uh, second one for me, Robin Jacobson uh, took the shortest kind of uh, posting on LinkedIn going, I can't tell you where I'm going, uh, hold the suspense. I think she lasted about 24 hours uh, before mentioning that she was a senior associate at the Tax Institute. One of the really interesting things for me, David, is that is someone with uh, quite a, uh, a good voice inside the tax office. If you put her in a place that actually has some clout, we might see some professional body advocacy that may achieve something. I use the word may because it is a professional body, but it's interesting putting a, a very good voice for taxpayers in a body that, uh, that has some clout. Be good to see. Um, Paul, on a scale of Peter Dacos and UK accounting coaches, so there and there, where do you have, um, where do you have a, Probably closer to Dakes, wouldn't you? Who, who Robin? Robin Jackson. Jackson. You rate her quite highly. That's fine. You're very good uh, in in at the tax office uh, in, in some groups at the tax office. She's been very uh, very good. I don't um, I don't see it that way. I think that it's a great loss that she's gone to the Tax Institute. Um, the Tax Institute doesn't give a stuff about anyone who's on this show right now. They care about big corporate Australia. 
and it comes out in their guidelines. We read their policy submissions to the budget last year. They don't say a thing about small business. I don't even think they understand they exist. So unfortunately, I think it's a great loss to the small business community to lose Robin's advocacy. Uh, she's gone to the top end of Collins Street or, or you know, the big, the, the, the top, I don't even know in Sydney what the, I hate going to Sydney, the Barangari Tower or something. Um, and I reckon it's a great loss for us. I think she's she's gone under the corporate dollar, mate. We will see. We will see. Hopefully she brings a different voice to that body. Not that the other professional bodies, I think, care about small practice either. So no. we just keep giving away the worst on grounds, don't we, Paul? Uh, best for me, uh, listeners might know a long time ago, I had nothing to do with my life and started the Virtual CFO Association. And we were like a horse out of the gates. We we grew really fast and grew up a bunch of men. This was about five years ago. Around the time you and I met, Paul, we just met when I started that with a few other blokes, and it it, it did really well. And we we realised really quickly that if you're going to start an association, you need a lot of resources, you need a lot of help, and it, we just sort of ran out of steam. And it's been around, but it hasn't really done too much lately. And I'm getting a sneaky suspicion that it might be coming back. There's a fantastic article written by a man who's written a lot, and he's always in front of my mind. So I never really engage with this stuff. It's written by David Dillon and he's talking about surviving and rebooting as being two very different things. And the role that every accountant and finance person has played right now is about surviving, doing a really short-term cash flow. How are we going to get through the next six weeks? Uh, doing whatever compliance activity we can to get government grants, government-backed loans, job keeper, job seeker, these one-off major hits that are absolutely survival critical. His question is, what's next? Because JobKeeper stuff's going to, for most accountants, and Lee and Nat are going to talk about it later, they've both got good, most, most accountants have processes now to run it monthly. It's just part of the monthly workflow. What happens when you get into the rebooting phase? Do we actually have the skills to help businesses with the rebooting? Where do we get those skills from? Do we have time to learn them? I can tell you right now, the answer is not in technology. Don't go buy, I like Fathom, don't go buy Fathom and don't go buy Spotlight and think that all of a sudden you're going to be able to reboot a business. Uh, but I love this idea of surviving versus rebooting as a really succinct way to explain, okay, I've helped my clients so far, what's it going to look like over the next six months? Let's, uh, let's, uh, let's ask the girls this because I'm, I'm interested in this. Um, Nat, we'll start with you, Lee, we're coming to you next. What do you think on the back of on the back of this the 12 months after we get out of job keeper does it look more in that compliance as always or does the industry need to want to have to shift into this sort of mad advisory growth phase I think a bit of both. So I think compliance is definitely not dead and there's obviously JobKeeper has proved that. So more, more compliance. We've had clients who have been, you know, behind in all their work who have come to us and wanted it all done now. They want to be up to date and the clients that are always late are thanking us for chasing them every single day to get their stuff up to date. But I think the whole advisory will become more important and the clients will actually value it more. So they actually see the value in it now because they need it. It's not that they just, it's a nice to have and, oh, you know, my accountant can help me with all this whiz-bang stuff if my business is growing and I think I need it. It's now become a, we need the advisory to be able to, to get through it. I think it's changed that whole landscape quite substantially. Is a part of that that the relationship with your clients has changed over the last six weeks? Yeah, definitely. 
definitely. I think the clients have been, you know, um, more uh, more um, eager to understand what we can do for them. So a lot of the time we think, oh, they don't need a cash flow or, you know, they're, you know, they don't really care about their numbers. Whereas all of a sudden now they're saying, I want to know my numbers. I want to understand my cash flow. Even just starting with some basic ones. So I think I had a client yesterday whose landlord wants to know how much she can possibly pay. And she's a Pilates studio and her income has dropped by 70%. So we just did a really quick calc of, okay, what's the income? What are the, you know, the key things that are coming out at the moment? You know, the rent, um, electricity, this, the couple of subcontractors she's got to pay and just gave her, you know, just gave her a figure of exactly what she can afford to pay because they're the types of things that clients need right now. They don't need a fancy cash flow, like you said before, on any of those apps. They just need a basic figure. What what do I need? Lee? I agree with that. Um, but I think it's going to be dictated as well by not just landlords but banks, um, anyone that businesses are entering into contracts with now. You know, giving out a credit application these days is just not going to be the same. Um, they're going to have to provide, you know, substantiate their figures and, and show that they're a sustainable business because after this, people are going to have been burnt um, doing business with with a business that potentially wasn't sustainable in the long run. So it's going to come whether clients want it or not, <laughs> I think, is is the point. Um, and, and I agree with that, though. Our relationship with our clients over the last, you know, eight weeks, we've spoken to them more times in the last eight weeks than some of them you'd speak to in eight years. Yeah. Um, we've, we've become that really trusted advisor again. Um, and that's, I think, more across the board. There was always, you know, your 20% of your client base that you spend a lot of time with. But now it's really filtered through the whole, the whole list. I'll get a bit of an overall break and maybe a way to, to, to tie that together. Whether it's from the business owner or from the bank or the landlord, there is a change in the market where this document, a cash flow forecast, is going to be required. But be it the business owner who wants to understand better or the landlord who wants to know that they're, you know, they're not going to have a cancellation or a default, whether or not the accountant wants to participate in that, and this goes back to Paul's point of never like, you don't like being told you have to do something, mate. Whether or not the accountant wants to do that will be up to the accountant because there might be some accountants who don't want to do it and call up the bookkeeper and say, you know what, I need you to do this for the client. I don't have the capacity. I don't have the headspace. You do it and, and just call me and maybe once a month let's have a chat about it. What do you reckon about that, Paul? A couple of interesting, Ron, we're coming to you in, in, in one sec. I think that there's some really interesting things for me is I had a client who was in Perth um, who was a, a friend of a client who got my email about the JobKeeper service and took took on my service because they went to their accountant and their accountant said they did not have the capacity to help them lodge JobKeeper. Like it sort of, it just, it strikes me as weird. And he it turns out these people actually then had a second consulting business and we've claimed it under both businesses, not for the same taxpayer before members of the TPB who are on this call come after me with a pitch, pitchfork. But um, Imagine. Uh, the other, You're really sticking your neck out here for audit, Paul. I know. No, no, no. Legitimately, totally legit. Don't worry about that on the farm. We'll be right. Uh, the other two things are, one is, does this mean that a lot more people go on to wages? Uh, yeah. We've seen that, that business owners who didn't have the wages, maybe whether they've gone, 
long term? Do we use wages? Uh, thankfully, we're in STP. I, I hated STP. Thought it was a disaster. I think we're we're saved. I've changed my tune on that because we actually have data uh, to work with. I, I think that's uh, that's good. Ron, you had a point. I was just going to say we all seem to have forgotten the GFC because. Uh, 10 years ago, what was it, 2008, 2007, 2009, we all talked about after the GFC how everyone's going to want cash flows, they're going to want this, they're going to want <laughs> that. And for a year, for 18 months, for two years after the GFC, yeah, then everyone just forgot about it. Ron, there was no such thing as live data in 2008. Uh, to get to live data. Um, there wasn't. The average business owner wasn't sitting there doing a bank wreck themselves or pulling a P&L, even if it's wrong, which it usually is. Um, <laughs> their access to data has changed. Look, I agree with you. That's, the other that's thing I find interesting. I'm, I'm just not convinced that long-term that's going to end up making a lot of change, but we'll see. Uh, Jason Pobble makes an interesting question about uh, a point about your wages. If um, if you get into all all in one consumption tax and payroll tax goes, you start to get um, uh, you, you're more incentivised to go into wages. Interesting. I also think this might be a good uh, boost for that keeping your data up to date, having to report yeah. monthly by the by the end of seven days. I, I think we. We may be, uh, with Ron, though, as he said, I wonder whether we all just go back to exactly what we, we always did. But I think there'll be some clients who, who do sort of hopefully keep that habit of, of keeping their data up uh, a little bit quicker. Uh, next, me or you? Uh, look, I'll jump in. Just a little bit of light relief. We won't cover it. The link's in the show notes. Uh, Mark Newman, who I, I had the pleasure of meeting up at uh, Noosa, a wonderful accountant, puts out some great videos. This is an episode of Shit's Creek from, I did say that correctly, hopefully, uh, from Netflix. Great show. Uh, apparently, I love uh, tax references. This is talking about all of the personal uh, bedding and lamps and massage chair that he was trying to get a, uh, a tax deduction for. Uh, very funny. Very funny uh, part of the show. The link is in the show notes. It was just a clip on LinkedIn. Um, I'm going to share. So I'm going to. I'm going to share a link. I'm going to share a link in the chat box, everyone, for my best on ground. Shit's Creek, very funny show. Loved it. A uh, little bit simple at times, but not bad. I'm going to share a, a link in the blog. We're going to be interactive. All right. This is a link to Dropbox. Oh, ah, no. Hang on. Oh, I can see you, mate. You're all good. Don't worry. There's no yeah, text. That's all right. That's all. I'm pressing share screen. Unfortunately, don't worry about me. I um, <laughs> Tim wants the presenters to call out what they're drinking. Uh, Tim, I'm drinking a Belveni 18-year-old that you sent me, mate. Um, I didn't get through it all in one night last week. It's had to be spread over two. Nat, what have you got? Well, I actually put cider in the wine glass because I decided that drinking cider out of a bottle was not very classy. <laughs> well, it's, it's, that's about as genuine and down-to-earth as From the Trenches stands for. You're really living the brand values. There, I, was, I was actually thinking that. Oh, I feel excited, but Nat's not drinking one, so. <laughs> what do you got? You got anything no, I've got water, but I'm considering going getting the cider out of the fridge. Absolutely. Well, you've got some homebrew based on that background. <laughs> no, no, no. Go. Favourite beer. Uh, Ryan, you got a drink there, mate? I am drinking a Moon Lake Reserve Cabernet Merlot from the Clear Valley of 2014. Mic drop when you drop something like that, Ron. That's just class personified. Lovely. Um, I've posted, I'm going to post the link again to the Dropbox blog. Um, have a look at this blog. This is... Beautiful. This is an absolute pleasure to navigate around. Um, not only is it a beautiful experience and just 
probably one of the best internet experiences I've ever had. It's just fantastic. This is probably the most relevant corporate blog for COVID-19 and the lockdown going around. Dropbox have been writing about this work in progress blog for ages and they've been writing about work culture for ages and they've taken this angle to try to get people to move document storage to the cloud. It is so topical and so right now, and because they've been doing it for a while, there's a depth of information there. It's just absolutely fantastic. Uh, have a look at it. Every article, like literally every article is right now. Um, a BBC reporter on how to be a video conference rock star. You're all doing video conferences. Uh, how to focus when the world's on fire. Homework. Homework, how distributed teams are setting boundaries between home and office. Everybody's stressed about this. This is probably the greatest piece of marketing I've seen in the COVID-19 economy amid, and most companies are just doing exactly the same thing as before, just putting digital, virtual, or we know these are tough times, but Dropbox are just ready for it. This is a pleasure to read. Um, take some time to read this stuff. I guarantee you, you'll learn something. It's a big call. Greatest marketing blog ever. No, this is the greatest marketing. This is the greatest marketing for businesses I've seen during okay. business. Good. 100%. I'll have a read. I'll have a read. Yeah. Uh, uh, Nat Lee, uh, any bests or worsts for you? Keep them in mind. If you've got anything, feel free to bring it up. Can we just say worst on ground is JobKeeper? Like, I think everyone agrees with that. <laughs> and the that okay. That case is desperate for desperate for us to say worst on ground is uh, the ATO cancelling all the soul tree that ABN today. They do it today. Uh, that's when people started finding out that anyone that varied their March instalment, they cancelled their ABN apparently and they all got kicked out of JobKeeper. Or oh, there'll be a revolt. So if they cancelled it today, though, as long as it was active at March 1st. Anyway, let's no. not get into tax. Yeah. We've got I some new cases. It was a JobKeeper-free zone, Lee. Sorry, that was my fault. Thanks, girls. <laughs> well done. Okay, Quite the first like, rule. That's ABN. That's it. I'm cut. I'm out. True. Can I, can I give a shout-out to, to our uh, UK uh, people who are joining us from the UK? They've, I've been told 10.30 in the morning over there is too early for a drink. I just don't think they're committed enough personally, but that's this all right. Um, <laughs> I tell you what. And, and uh, I, I do want to. I do want to learn uh, more because I, I would. I just assume that on the same, uh, the other side of the planet, they're dealing with exactly the same interesting rollout of uh, of government stimulus. I think certainly we're hearing some interesting stories out of the the US as well. Um, for me, with JobKeeper, like it, it was almost a. Uh, how could you have designed it better? Like I, I just sort of. I still sort of think like we always. We wanted it to be better, Ron. I go, yeah, mate, that's a question in your interview. I can see you jumping out of your skin. I'm not, I'm not saying anything. I think you asked the wrong question. I think you should have asked the question, how could they design it worse? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, Matt, don't know. That. I, think, I think the website, look, I think for the most part the website works. I think anyway, we'll get into that, Ron. We'll get, don't worry. We'll, we'll Paul, get into that. Can you please? We're not eligible for job keepers. So. Paul, can you do me a favor? Check your phone and read the bit where I said, How about we stick to the run sheet? <laughs> My Thank phone you. is hanging out the window because that's the only place it gets reception. <laughs> uh, so like just... Are we about to get to worst on ground, Paul? Go for it. Worst <laughs> on ground. Who's loading up first? Because we're packed. 
You go first. first, but I'm with Nat though. I'm with Nat and Lee. JobKeeper, uh, that's a given. Onward, onward, David. You, you go. You, this was your. I just, I'm, I'm piggybacking on your worst, mate. I'm just adding it. So you go. All right. I got two worst on grounds. Here's the problem. Here's, here's, here's the root cause of everybody's problems. It has nothing to do with the administration of JobKeeper and it has nothing to do with the ATO issuing guidelines at five o'clock on a Friday. The ATO are public servants trying to do their jobs. Here's the root cause. They're symptoms. Don't get me wrong. That stuff sucks. Here's the root cause. The root cause is that we're irrelevant in Canberra. Nobody in Canberra listens to small business tax accountants. They like the sound clip, small business is the backbone of Australian economy. They particularly like running to an election saying, trust us with economic management. And right now we have no idea if they're managing well or not because it's pretty unprecedented. We do not have a seat at the table in Canberra and it's a problem. And it's not just right now. There are three big red X's on failed advocacy in Canberra that's made our lives worse. And Paul, I am still saying ours. I know I'm not in public practice. I'm still one of you, mate. At heart. Where's your pin? I, well, this suit, this suit doesn't have a little thing no, for a pin. No, I don't even, it's a Hugo Boss black suit, Paul. You don't just go poking holes in it. Here's the three things that, that have made our life worse because they never bothered. You know why? Because they listen to Robin Jackson at the Tax Institute and they don't listen to us. They got, oh, well, she's there, mate, and she's not going to be advocating for us anymore. They got the accountant's exemption wrong. They got franking credits wrong. And if I haven't practised for 10 years in tax and I read that legislation and think, what about trusts? Then they got JobKeeper wrong. And this is Treasury. This is not the ATO. Treasury is the arm of the government. They're the one who sets the policy. Now, you have the IPA swatting around Canberra and they have their big budget breakfast. You have the, you have the, the chartered accountant saying they've got doing advocacy and I, and I imagine that, that C, uh, CPA just spend ads on advocacy in Canberra. I imagine that's their approach to it. That seems to be what they do for everything. The biggest problem is that we don't have a seat at the table and there's been a fundamental change because do you know who had a seat at the table? Trent Innes, Angus Capel, the Zero Leadership Group were there when this stuff was being written because they had to get the tech written. And it seems to me that, and, and we were feeling stressed until we saw the tech and we thought, oh, this is actually going to help. And Intuit and, and Maya may have been there, but I don't know that for sure. The tech guys are at the table, but their, their job isn't to do policy advocacy on tax law. Their job is to help us administer it and do the job better. There is a mass failure of advocacy and the ATO just tried to catch up to take it as easy as they could, and that put every accountant in Australia under stress. That's the root cause of the problem, Paul, and that's why it's worst on ground. David, you've got to remember who was the uh, minister in charge when we got when we lost the accountant's exemption. Who was it? Bill Shorten. <laughs> He's your best mate, isn't he? You go for oh. a walk around Albert Park with him, I would imagine. Yeah, definitely. Paul, I, by the way, I'm expecting that everybody's giving me a round, a, a huge round of applause after that little rant. Thank you very much. That was huge. It was like, yeah. Cathartic. <laughs> well, well, we've, we've been saying that for a long time, that the accounting organisations are just not, don't seem to be relevant in Canberra. No matter how, even now they're all talking to each other and working together, supposedly. Um, they're still not relevant. The tax office still doesn't listen to them. On the working together thing, um, uh, so who tweeted the guy from SMS Association? He used to host BGL's RegTech, Ron. I'm so sorry I've forgotten his name. Uh, Aaron Dunn. Aaron Dunn tweeted that the five bodies, including the Tax Institute and the SMSF Association, got together to bring back the accounts exemption for the super fund rollers. Nobody's spending three grand on tax advice to get 10 grand out of super. 
Another example where a small business accountant missed out. Well, they they, they removed it. The, they put together some documents so anyone could do it, really. But anyway, that's a different story. If, if the bodies, I mean, and I don't feel like the body, I, interesting, feel free to jump in the chat box. I don't feel like there's professional bodies, especially in Australia, be interesting about the UK. If they're not, if we don't feel they're doing the right thing or getting anywhere in Canberra, uh, my rant on, on their side is that during this, what what is an unprecedented crisis, we saw no tools, we saw no resources, we had accountants in groups sharing uh, sharing webinar notes, sharing calculators, sharing Excel spreadsheets. Doesn't our professional body, David, have a group that's supposed to be the latest and greatest minds in technology? We're well, supposed that- to be in these incubator hubs building tech every day of the week. But don't ask me, Paul. Ask Nat. Nat, what do you reckon? Yeah, I feel like, you know, I'm a CA and the CA stuff came and it was too late and it wasn't even what we wanted. No, I had to speak to bookkeeper friends and get the ICB stuff. Mm. And, and that's sort of embarrassing because, you know, what are we paying our money for? Like I know they say in the background they're doing all this stuff that we don't know about. Tell us about it. Tell us what you're doing. Communicate with us. I um, I joined the ICB last week. I I remember the Tax Institute. I'm a member of the CA, and I had to join the ICB to get um the had to get the information that I needed because I needed it now. I can't wait. No, we can't wait. We've waited enough for everything. Like, and they finally released it this today or something, and it was like how to work from home. I've been at home for eight weeks. (laughs) I think I've worked it out. It's it's probably because they needed to run it past 72 lawyers before they got it out to anybody. Yeah. Because they're also busy covering their asses in there. Uh, Nat and Lee, you guys used the uh, Change GPS resources, didn't you? I'm allowed to give myself a bit of a clip. Oh, God. Someone just mentioned that. Yes. Yes, love it. They've been great. I've got to say you were first out with them. What's well, actually like it's a, an interesting comment is why were we first out and the people who you actually pay to produce that stuff wasn't? And I'll tell you the answer. Tim and I are accountants and we, we spent the weekend getting it out because we knew how urgent it was. And it seems like nobody in the organisations appreciate the urgency. But we That's were, because like, so few of them are accountants. Mm. But even uh, like more than change GPS, like I relied on practice ignition to write my terms and conditions. Yeah. Um, and like... I don't know if that's legal. Shouldn't my, my accounting body protect me? Yeah, and I sent mine out before practice ignition even released it. So I was just going off the fly of what other people were doing and then it got like, you know, how can we possibly, be, one, be covered and then number two, back to the ATO, if the ATO want to audit us, like what are they relying on change number one, two, three, four, five and what if we've missed one change? Like the whole thing. Or did you lodge in week one, two, three, four, or five or on the Monday, the Tuesday, the Wednesday, before oh. five or after? Yeah, I know. Oh, also, David, I mean, the interesting, uh, the professional bodies take money from the audit insurance companies to promote that. Where were they when we were having, when you, you had issues on the, on the change GPS calls about the insurance companies wiping their hands in, in the beginning you know, mm. before there was a bit of a backlash saying, oh, we don't think we're going to cover JobKeeper. You know, the, there, there are things yeah. that we need help from, from anybody. The insurance companies, the, the, the audit insurance companies, not the PI ones, got themselves in trouble through bad communication. That's all it was. 
you know, they, they, all they needed to do was send out saying, hey, look, right now we're not underwritten for this. It's brand new. We're working our butts off to get it ready for you. Yeah. That's all we can tell you at this stage. Instead, they just came out saying, no, you're not covered. And actually the person who got the emails on the call, uh, Jace is here today, and he got that email. It was just like this blanket no. I think that was just bad communication from them, and it caused a problem. Communication is key. Absolutely. I have just seen the best thing in the chat box, David. You are not going to like this at all. Uh, Nicholas Tazaris uh, says David should make a donation to charity every time he mentions change GPS. (laughs) Nicholas, you are my spirit animal. You uh, are my spirit animal. There you go. We're done. Nick, I am very happy to do it as long as it's matched two to one for every mention of freedom mentoring. You mention it more than I do. Mate, your business partner's travelling the world with a luxury lifestyle. You've got all the money. What are you looking at me for? He's holed up in Austria, mate. He's, he's, they've had, a, they've had lockdown harder. Sally and Wayne, dot com dot org. Click on me now and I'll build you a website dot net. I know. I know. Do we have any show structure left? Is there anything else? What else? No, first? no structure left. I, uh, no, that I've got another I'm word. Just, Go for it. Go for it. I have a huge amount of empathy for accountants. I wouldn't have chosen to exit public practice and and devote my literally my life because I'm working a huge amount to helping accountants if I didn't do that. And you are being thrown under a bus because I, I don't know how to say this without putting anybody else down, but I saw an article in The Age today saying that something like 50% of um, chemists considered quitting because there was such a demand on them during the pandemic and and noting health scares. Everyone is helping and accountants are the only ones who nobody's saying thank you to. And Lillette Collegia put a tweet up today saying, I'm having all these conversations and none of my clients are saying thank you. Do they not know how hard I just worked for them? And it just goes back to, I've said all the time, we're just not respected. We just don't have, nobody thinks about us. They just dump it all with us and expect us to work our butts off and get an outcome. And I don't want to put down anybody else's efforts because everybody's pulling in. But it just seems like no one's showing regard for accountants and that doubles down on the mental health of accountants. Because if you had just at least got recognised for what you've done, I bet it would help a lot of people. We did a media release on that on Monday and we can't get it published anywhere. None of the, none of the uh, rags will pick, seem to want to pick it up. Uh, just as a question, Ron, what did you uh, call Daniel Andrews on that media release? Maybe that impacted its publicity. No, no, I don't think he was even mentioned. Oh, did I call him the Grim Reaper? You did. Oh, that's possibly true. Wonder why. <laughs> publish it in SA then. Our papers oh, there you go. Out. Yeah, they'll publish anything. Uh, We're not fussy. Yeah, look, we we give it to lots of we we probably got a hundred people on our distribution list, but none of the um, none of the magazines or the media are associated with accountants or uh, SMSFs, and none of them picked it up. Uh, Sharon said it's not true for all firms. You're one hundred percent right, Sharon. But certainly, as far as the public's concerned, there is absolutely no recognition for what you all mm. just did. Can, can I ask, David? I think that's uh, can, we've got three practitioners here. Uh, I've found oh, that up, I've I'm going to turn my video off because I need to put my power in because I don't want to run out of battery. Good. Okay. Well done. Uh, I, uh, Natalie, I'd be interested. I have been, um, I've got a lot more positive feedback from clients during this time about the way, the way I've helped them, um, the impact it's had than I have throughout the normal tax return year. So I 
certainly feel more loved in a way compared to normal. Uh, Nat, what are you seeing? Yeah, 100%. You know, clients who I'm ringing to see how they are because their businesses are closed and they're saying to me, how are you feeling today? How are you going? Mm -hmm. And don't work too hard. And then I'm getting text messages. Um, You know, I had a client the other day send me an update of JobKeeper. He said, I know you're working really hard and you're probably all over this, but just in case you've missed it, here's what I found today on JobKeeper. Like, look after yourself. Maybe you won't have to work this weekend. And I was like, you know what, that's that's so great because a lot of the time, as we're saying, we work and we don't feel like we're being valued. But just to get a few little texts like that, it just makes your day and it makes it all worth it. I think, Absolutely. I think the same, but it's really hard because you've got that sort of the 90% that will appreciate you and they will go out of the way and say thank you, you know, you've done all the right things. Then you've just got the 10% who just are rude, aggressive, you know, blame you if they can't get what they want or if they've tried to do it themselves and got it wrong or, you know, <laughs> and it's really hard to forget that 10% that that make you feel so bad and you've got to really try to be positive and, um, and just focus on the ones that do appreciate you. And we've sort of said um, in our firm that, you know, at the end of this, I think there might be some people that might find they're not our clients anymore because it's really brought some people's true colours to yeah, life. We've already, we've already sacked one. We sacked him early. Yeah. Being a dickhead. <laughs> yeah, like and, and it's not fair and it's not fair on the staff and it's, it's not fair on us. We, you know, like I was up at, before 7 o'clock this morning trying to check people's bank accounts, hoping that they'd got their job keeper and I was just so excited that they'd got it. Um, and you know, that's just the stuff we do, um, that no one sees. Yeah, I was texting a few clients, did you know, you know, job keeper, yeah. did you get it? And one's like, yes, no, so yeah, I think, yeah. I think, yeah, the relationships we're building with, with clients at the moment, like I had one client add me on Facebook, and this was a few weeks ago when COVID really hit. And at first, I was like, oh, no way, I never had clients on Facebook, that's a personal thing. And then I thought, you know what, this is the new normal. And if a client wants to be a friend of mine on Facebook at the moment, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, gonna, I'm gonna accept that. So I think, yeah, the relationships are very different to what they. Plus, they'd miss out on your TikTok. Yeah, <laughs> you got a TikTok for that. Not everyone knows about your TikToks, Nat. Can you tell us a bit about them? Well, so I think they started like in the early lockdown period where I didn't have you know much else to do apart from JobKeeper <laughs> and was going a bit crazy. So just to keep myself sane and to laugh. I started playing around with TikTok and yeah, doing some little videos here and there, um, sharing them. I think I shared some of them in the accounting group just to make everybody laugh in the beginning and then everybody just loved them, so I kept doing them. That was quite informative. That was the thing. <laughs> it started with the news. Did it start with the news ones? Or was oh, that, they were other videos, they weren't TikTok? Yeah. No, so that was other videos. So I don't even, I think there was like a TikTok video of someone else imitating um, ScoMo. And so I thought, all right, I'm going to do this myself. And then I did one and I think even my mum fell for it. So it was early on when the lockdowns had just started. And I think I got up and I had my blazer on and, you know, my glasses. I, was, I put on this voice so I thought people would know that that voice is not how I usually speak. And I was like, McDonald's closed um, except for chicken nuggets and cheeseburgers. That's all you can get. And I actually had about five people message me and say, are you serious? Is McDonald's not... <laughs> I did a double take on it. I'm like kind of like listening in the background. I'm sort of like had it on. I'm like, hang on. 
Hang on. Hang on. I thought it was fantastic, Matt. I have a feeling we could talk about this part for many, many hours, but we're going to see what's going to happen for the rest of the show. So we're now going to be treated. Paul's going to do a one-on-one interview with Ron. We love Ron because, well, it's called Unleashed with Ron Leash for a reason. And then after that's done, we're going to have a chat with the girls about what's been happening in their businesses and them personally over the last six weeks. So I'm going to throw it to you, Paul. Ron Lesh, welcome back to From the Trenches for probably the 15,000th time. Probably. Uh, absolutely. Uh, Ron, thank you uh, very much. And I do, I, you've spoken a bit about the, the accountant's uh, blog. Do you want to start, because you've already mentioned it, do you want to just tell us what that, the crux of that was? Well, uh, we, we headed the, the, the media release accountants, the unsung heroes. Because while everyone's talking about the great work that all of the emergency workers are doing and the medical people are doing, and I've got no doubt they're all doing great work, they're also all under stress. Um, most of the accountants are small business people. They've been working 16-hour days to try and get do what their clients need and help their clients get through JobKeeper and, and, and all the other stuff that's around. And uh, they don't seem to be getting any recognition. Nobody's talking about them. So, you know, you listen to the radio, you hear about all the all the wonderful work that this person's done, that person's done, but no, they never mention the accountants. So uh, I did a media release on basically uh, it was all about saying, look, it's about time we recognise the huge effort that these guys are, uh, uh, the huge contribution, the huge effort that they're making. And we did, uh, we certainly did appreciate it. It was a wonderful blog. There's some people asking, link will be in the show notes. We'll, uh, we'll get them out. Um, it's on the video that. On the BGL blog, uh, Accountants, the Unsung Heroes, uh, check it out. The One of the things, David and I interviewed uh, Trent in this during the week. Weeks feel like months. I have no idea when it was, days, but anyway. Uh, one of the interesting things that, uh, that we asked him was leading such a large team and having to still produce software updates, um, how have you found that have you learned anything about your management style have you had to do anything differently how have you seen it okay well look i think the first thing that we did was we went out to all of our team and said your jobs are safe so worry about your families keep working but you don't have to worry about you're not going to lose your job we're going to be around when this is finished um and uh you don't have to worry about that. So we haven't retrenched anybody or anything like that. Um, most of our guys had uh, laptops already. I think about, uh, we've got 150, I think probably 80 to 100 have got laptops. Uh, so they, for them to work at home was not a big deal. It was just, and a lot of them already di- did work at home occasionally. So for them to move to, to working at home, uh, that wasn't too difficult. Um, the hardest team to move was support. Uh, because they rely on each other and ask questions of each other. We've got a lot of young guys in the support team with not a lot of experience, and they like having an experienced person sitting a desk away or two desks away, they can ask a question. So we moved them all home. They took their computers home. Uh, Where they didn't have screens, they took the screens home, um, and they all sort of moved home. So it's probably six, seven weeks now, maybe eight weeks um, that that we did all that. I think it was the last week of March. Uh, the end of the last week of March, we moved everyone to, to home. So, so what have we done in the meantime? Well, we've we've kept going with our 
of, uh, with virtual staff lunches, with a whole program of stuff. We've been doing yoga. Uh, Daniel's been doing um, cooking um, uh, and exercise classes. So we've done a whole lot of things to try to keep people entertained, give them something to to look at as, as time's going on. We've had a couple, of, we had a catch up every two weeks uh, with the whole team to um, uh, to update them on where we're going and what's been happening. And we've also had the teams have all got their own updates. In terms of producing software, uh, the Simple Phone guys have got out, I think it's three releases now since the lockdown, they've got all the COVID stuff into the, into the software. And the CAS guys, I think, have got out a couple of releases as well. So the, the product teams working from home is not such a big deal. It's all, everything's cloud-based anyway. Uh, all of the software codes cloud-based. Every, everything really is cloud-based. So it's pretty easy to, well, it's been pretty easy for them to, to move to work from home. The hardest thing that we're finding now is we want to get back to work. But we, uh, yeah, and, and we've had so much negativity come out of all of our state governments here. Um, you know, at least the federal government, there's been a bit of positivity, but the negativity and the, the scare tactics, the fear being pumped out from uh, these, this group of people in Spring Street in Melbourne is just unbelievable. And when you look at the screw-ups that they've made, how can anyone have any confidence in them? How can you have confidence when you, your two ICs um, comparing uh, uh, James Cook to, to, the, to the virus where, when, you're, uh, when you've got a, a breakout of, what, how many, 70-odd cases now that have come out of a week of Meatworks? that they knew about three, five weeks ago and didn't do anything about. And I wonder, you just wonder, you know, it's like the Ruby Princess. That was just a, a debacle in New South Wales. We've just got the same debacle here. And it's just a level of competence in our public servants that's just not there. So, and these are the guys, remember, who've done all the modelling. You know, three weeks ago, we had our, uh, the New South Wales, uh, uh, I guess, health chief health officer come out and say, look how many lives we saved. 750 people would have died if we hadn't done this. So just to be one better, our guy came out and said, oh, 50,000 would have died in Victoria. You know, this is just rubbish. You know, what sort of confidence can you have that these people are actually advising a government that doesn't really want to be advised? Um, the right thing. And I just, don't, I just don't think you can have any. Uh-huh. Well, uh, Matt Paff is calling you the Liberal Party's number one ticket holder. Is that uh, I'm not a member of That's the working any in the- political hey, party. And hey, uh, I was accused of that during the last election. Um, look, I think the, the guys in Canberra have done an okay job, not a great job, but an okay job. Um, but uh, the state governments, I think, have been just basket cases. Every other state's allowed to play golf. That's the only thing I care about. Uh, well, that's, that's the number one thing. We're not allowed to play golf in Victoria, so oh, yeah, uh, that's a fail. But from what I understand, listening to the experts, the virus can't be transmitted when you're outside. I, I watched the walk uh, around Melbourne. No, no, we're staying away from that. I'm from the trenches. Right. We're the not medical around. experts. No, I'm not going to let you get away with that one. Okay. I watched the walking around Melbourne yesterday. They had people walking around with cloths cleaning poles. So... Street poles, um, poles next to the traffic lights. Uh, they're, they're walking around with cloths cleaning poles. Yes. To, to, to change to change tack, you know, and, and, and to another thing that I know gets you fired up. Talk us through your theory on the early access to super. Surely, right. there's a few views views on that. Uh, well, the early access to super, I suppose. Uh, look, I have some info, inside information that I can't talk about because my Wife actually happens to work for the ATO and she's been dealing with that. Oh, thanks. I want to hear the tease. Appreciate it. Well, that I can't tell you. 
But what I can tell you is what's been in the media, and that is that the level of fraud around uh, this uh, the super payouts is enormous. People lodging applications for people who are no longer in Australia because they've gone back to New Zealand, for example. Uh, duplicate bank accounts. Uh, the same person is getting super payouts for 12 or 15 different people into the same bank account. Um, so a whole, a whole lot of uh, very interesting stuff. So look, I, I think there's a couple of issues around. For SNSFs, if they need to pay it out, they can probably pay it out. But most advisors would be saying don't, unless you really, 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 really have to. But the young, I can imagine young guys who've been working at McDonald's or working in, in hospitality and have got three grand in their super fund. Well, if they don't keep working hospitality or move that somewhere, they're going to lose it all because it's going to get eaten in fees. So they may as well take it out. Um, yeah, if they're going to use it, they're going to use it. It will probably help them. Um, and, but there are, what, what, there's, what was it, 650,000? A million people now applied for the, the early release. I think the last figure I heard was a million people. That's a huge amount of money that has to come out of, uh, out of super funds. A lot of it industry funds, a lot of it retail funds. Two weeks ago, you had the, the, retail, oh, sorry, the industry funds crying poor, saying we don't have the liquidity. Now they seem to have found the liquidity. Um, I, I don't know. It'll be very interesting to see how long it takes people to get paid out. I've got two questions, Paul. Ron, why do you think they suddenly have found the liquidity? Do you think that was just a square a scare campaign so they didn't get a run on the bank for the cash withdrawals? Well, I th look, there was no doubt that they um, – I, I look, I think that's probably part of it. I, I think there is – there's always been liquidity issues in the big super funds. They won't, don't want to talk about them. They've got so much stuff in unlisted infrastructure and unlisted property and all this sort of stuff that, that generates cash flow when the economy is going well. But when the, the tenants can't pay, uh, it doesn't generate particularly good amounts of income. Uh, so I, I just think they've probably got some issues around it. Um, one of the interesting things with the JobKeeper is you still got to pay super on top of that. Um, I don't know how many people realise Unless that. it's a top-up. Unless, unless it's a top-up. Top up. Yes. Yep. It was top. And they've now exempted some of the things as stamp duty in Victoria as well, if it's a top-up. Um, there was something Can I ask a question that. just to, to Lee and Nat quickly? Have you, either of you seen any early release of Super? I think I've had one client tell me they were sniffing around it, but I actually haven't had any clients go through it. Have you? Uh, the only client who asked me was a high flyer who just wanted some extra cash out of his Super Fund. I said, you know, they're not letting it <laughs> We had one that wanted just to take it to buy a house or something, but that they didn't need it either. So, yeah, I think we've had one ask. Um, but wasn't that a financial uh, financial advice given by a real estate agent? More than likely, yes. Um, <laughs> but we also didn't advertise, like we didn't really push it in all the updates that we did around what's available. We never really mentioned it because we weren't super. Our client base is like, you know, in their sort of 40s and 50s and stuff and we don't think, I don't, I don't want to get into that. I don't think it's a wise move. So if they heard about it, that was up to them, but that wasn't something we were interested in sort of consulting about. Um, I was at a meeting today in the, with a number of people around the self-managed super and there's certainly, there are quite a lot of people who are taking small amounts or taking amounts out of their super funds, um, depending on the size of the fund and the person, whoever it is. Uh, but from what we're hearing, there seems to be quite a few. Um, but the, the other thing, sorry, the other thing, just going on with that, uh, there was a, a report dropped today by the, one of the Senate committees about the director's fees being paid to uh, 
uh, to uh, directors and people in running the uh, large super funds. Um, it, it dropped, uh, I, I picked it up in one of the um, publications today. Um, figures are very interesting. Uh, I think it'd be a nice cushy job being a director of a, of a large super fund. Um, well, you get, you don't, all you do is sit there and approve stuff because you get, you've got subcommittees and you've got professional advisors who are advising on everything. So all you're doing is sitting there at the top and saying, yes, I like this professional advisor, tick. Um, and getting paid 120 grand a year for the privilege. So, mm. oh, it's a great job. Um, Ron, there's a lot of one, by the way. I don't need it. Ron, there's a lot of support for you in the chat group, and some of it may be a bit of a wind up. I don't know. It probably is in true trencher style. I, I haven't looked at this. Asking yeah. for you to get involved in politics and run for PM. Yes, uh, you, I agree. The next you, John Howard. You were quite, never going to happen. Well, you, <laughs> we got a photo of you and John Howard now. We've got that it's, it's on Twitter. I, I want to um, ask you, You there has been an attempt at an accountant's political party in the past with Grant Appett's SMSF party. and you That's going ahead from what I understand. Can you share your experience with that, what that stands for and, and, and where that's at? Oh, look, you'd have to ask Grant. I, the last thing that I saw was they, they, they missed getting registered by about 10 people because 10 people weren't correctly signed up or, or weren't people who could be signed up or maybe they were duplicated or something. So they missed out being registered for the, for the last election. My understanding is they're still working on it. It's not far away from being registered. And it will be a party that focuses on SMSFs. But I presume they'll try and get some, uh, some candidates to run for the Senate. I can tell you the last thing I would ever do is run for politics. And I'd never get elected anyway because they don't want people to actually have opinions different from the parties. So um, I, I don't think I, I, it's certainly not something that interests me, I can tell you honestly. Um, but look, I'm happy to get out there and, and have a go at people when I think they're doing the wrong thing, and uh, I'll, I'll do. I'll continue to do that. I think Grant's party is an opportunity lost not to uh, spread the net a little wider uh, to the greater account, accounting slash industry. I think uh, you know it's not even superannuation; it's just self-managed super, mm. um, which I think when you're trying to compete on on a on a uh, nationwide scale, especially. In politics, uh, will make it a very, a very tough job. That is how uh, we covered it on trenches originally, Paul. We wanted uh, it was yeah, big, yeah. bigger well, policy base. But, but yeah. you've got to remember, there's a million, over a million people who are members in self managed super funds. It's a pretty big, and group. they rallied pretty well uh, about franking credits. Correct. <laughs> they, they got some wind up them, I tell you. Uh, yep. That that happened very swiftly. Uh, Ron, thank you very much. You're of course sticking around, but uh, I would, if we were in a live venue, I'd call for a round of applause. But otherwise, I would just say raise your glasses to Ron. Do you need two minutes to refill, Nat? No, oh, I don't need another one. Do I look like Leonardo DiCaprio in Great Gatsby when I do this? Can somebody just say yes and make me feel no? More about don't. Nobody. Get out of the chat box, not a chance. Uh, David, you're up. Mate, Trevor, my mate Trevor, who I've travelled with, thinks that I do. Thank you very much, bud. Uh, um, now, we start off the show. We start off the show very famously, ladies and gents. Gents and gents are ladies and ladies, and I've been instructed by 1,500 people that I'm not allowed to call you girls. Ladies, the last six weeks has been unbelievable for sole practitioners and accountants. The majority of people on here are sole practitioners. I'm going to start off, we're going to do it as an open bit of a conversation. We're going to do a one-on-one, but let's just have a chat. 
I'm going to ask a really broad question because um, I believe that I've, I saw this great post from James Ashford that I spoke about, you know, we think this is our cap and then something happens and we go to here. What have you learned about yourself over the last six weeks? I'll start with you, Nat. Cole, where do I start? I've learned so much. I think the number one thing, I guess there's two themes around what I've learned. Number one is that everything's changed. So, yeah, we can't really plan. I'm a big planner. So I'm learning to like fly by the seat of my pants and just, you know, go on my instinct and obviously speaking with other accountants and seeing what they're all doing. And then the second theme is taking the positives out of every situation because I think when this all hit, I don't know about you guys, but in that first couple of days, I was just like maybe paralysed thinking, what do we do? Like is the phone going to ring? Are the clients going to go, you know, go under and we're not going to have any clients? What's going to happen? And it was this sort of fight or flight. And then I just went, you know what, no, I'm going to pick myself up, I've got to do this for the team and just, you know, roll on. So I guess it's a mix of, yeah, resilience um, and just, I guess, taking a long, hard look at yourself, really. You said you wanted to focus on the positives. Um, what were they? I think the positives was, you know, I realised um, a lot of my clients are pretty awesome. We do have good relationships. So for the first couple of weeks, we were just doing free half an hour phone calls. We sent out a link. We said, book in here. Um, just so that we can get to everybody because we just people then started ringing like after it was quiet I guess then the phone started ringing like what are we going to do here so yeah we blocked all those phone calls out and just speaking to the clients Um, and while some of them we were having some really hard conversations and that was really draining there was still some really good conversations and relation building coming out of that so that was really positive Um, and then just I guess seeing the team rally around as well so we've got you know one casual one part-timer in the mix and they put their hand up to do extra hours they're working from home around the family um, taking calls out of hours and emails and and the whole bit so just seeing that was pretty awesome as well like you know you've got good people around you but until you know the proverbial hits the fan you don't really know you know. Did you learn anything about Nat, and, and this for Lee as well, did, did you learn anything about managing a team when they weren't? And, I mean, I think all of us are, are used to working remotely. But, you know, in, in the same way I asked Ron about leading a team through something like this, was there anything you've had to do differently from a team point to, to manage this? Um, yeah, look, we were set up to work remotely and we always have been, but we do work from the office. So I'm probably the only one who was working from home here and then um so just being I guess checking in on everybody so having those daily little check-ins how's everyone going um making sure you know making sure the team's okay and and I think a few times I would ring them and say you know are you are you okay do you need a break do you need a day off if you do just tell me like it's okay like there's no point we all all of us burning out and getting sick you know so that was a big thing for me and you know I sent the sent my team a dessert box each and they're all like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Thank you. So just, I guess, taking the positive opportunity to really bring the team together and let them know that I care, that I'm not just, you know, working them to the bone, you know, for my own self-interest. Um, Lee, what did you learn about yourself? Um, I think it was more about learning where your limits are um, and sort of respecting your own I guess well-being and, and mental health, and and recognizing when you've had enough and you just need to step away. Not like you know, even if it is 
you know, it's two o'clock in the afternoon and you're like, oh, I should be working. But if you're just not there in the right headspace, you've just got to take the time to step away, mm. um, you know, get offline, remove, remove the noise around you um, and really focus back on fears to yourself and your own well-being. It's like the old, you know, the plane, you've got to put your own oxygen mask on before you put everyone else's on. Um, and there's no point us burning out if, if you know, we're not going to be any help to anyone if we're just sitting there trying to pump out 18 hours a day constantly. You've got to look after your own health. Do you, as an extension of that, um, my dad, which listeners will know, he's uh, had 41 years in public practice this year. And he calls me up and he says, if I get another email about mental health, I might lose my mind. And he goes, and this is an old school, you know, he's late 60s, old school died in the wall, doesn't like talking about his feelings all the time. He said, what's going to help my mental health is being decisive, making a decision and getting something off my to-do list. And I'm wondering if, if Lee in particular, do you think that throughout the last six weeks you spent too much time getting caught up in maybe what-if hypotheticals and not just backing, and I'm going to quote you because you said this in pregame, I am a highly trained professional. Yeah, I am. And I like, you know, I'm going to throw it out there. I have a master's in taxation. I've spent a lot of time reading legislation and interpreting it and that's what I'm good at. And I then got onto Facebook groups in particular and I started doubting myself. Oh, that's not how I looked at it. Like I thought it was something different. And then it would take Ali to sort of say to me, no, just, you know, trust your own instincts. You, you know, you've been doing this for a long time. And it would always turn out that I was right. Um, <laughs> but in the meantime, I've stressed myself completely because you know I'm second guessing and I'm rereading and I'm going on to other Facebook groups to see what the other Facebook group thinks and you know I'm going on to chats and and it just there's so much noise around that you really just have to to trust yourself you know we've been doing this a long time now um and to the core of it what we're doing isn't that much different to what we've always done it's compliance we've got that like we know compliance we know how to lodge stuff with the ATO we know what the ATO is kind of about now like I just think it's and I think I said to you before David I think the the flip side of it and all of this has come because we're so used to not trusting the ATO and we're always looking for that that you know that kicker that makes us not eligible or makes us pay more tax or gets us out of whatever we're trying to get into and in this case the legislation was designed to try catch as many people as it could and it was like you know if you don't qualify here maybe you'll qualify over here and we're so used to being so negative with the ATO that we just couldn't trust them yeah um and so we were looking at that legislation 400 times going yeah but where's the but Where's the bit that says we're not in yeah. it? And, and that, yeah, that wasted our time. <laughs> I think for me, it was it, you, you're 100 percent right in terms of the the. It was written to try to get as many people money and to qualify for this as possible, with probably the most 
harshly worded vitriolic <laughs> schemes clause in a set of legislation. <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I've, I've, I haven't done a master's in tax, but I've read quite a bit of legislation. I've never, I've never seen ten years jail, six years jail for for promoters. I've never seen it so prominent in a. Uh, you know, we're used to part four A, but yeah. you know, I, I that that played with my mind given we had such a tra- a changing landscape of rules. But I think the the qualifying like criteria was so wide that if you didn't qualify, you probably didn't really need it. And if you're like if you're if you're cheating the system, then you probably do deserve punishment because. Mm. It was, it wasn't like, and I know there are some people that did miss out and, you know, there are some sole traders and that sort of stuff that, you know, it kind of missed and there's some trusts and, you know, eligible business participants and that kind of stuff. But in the gist of it, it was pretty broad and you could go through three, four, five different tests to try and get yourself in. You could be cash or accrual. And so if you're not, if you are going out of your way, to get into it, you probably do deserve some punishment. Uh, Nat, did you, uh, this is sort of a bit of a self-help part really now, did you find that you were getting too far away from what you thought you were as a professional and at times had to do a bit of a self-check and say, actually, I need to go back to what my judgment used to be? I think it was almost the reverse. So I had, you know, our biggest client who, um, you know, they're physios and chiros. So they have, you know, they, this, their business substantially dropped and they were like, they do fortnightly payroll and they've got like 60 people on the payroll. And they rang me when it came out and I said, we need to get on this minute act now. And I was like, we can't, we don't have all the rules. I don't know if you're in. And they're like, we've read the rules, we're in. So I felt really stupid because like we were having this fight and in the end, I said, look, I think you're in, but not in writing. And I said, if you do it, you do it. And we, and it was just, it was awful. Um, and then toward, as we got towards the end, you know, I was like, okay, everything that we knew before, like, you know, worrying about the ATO being a cruel, we're all like, no, it's a cruel, it's a cruel. And then all of a sudden it was cash report. And now I'm just like, you know what? We've read the rules. We know it. It's right. Just roll with it. The As Lee said, the ATO wants to give all this money away and if you're generally in need of it, you're going to get it. Don't don't stress over it. That, that really goes to the heart of the relationship you have with your client. Where does the client lead you? Did you ta- do, do, do we take control of our clients or do we let them control us? And arguably, ordinarily we're okay at it. Sometimes we mess up pricing and sometimes they don't do what we want we to do. Every accountant complains that their clients have never got enough financial literacy that the accountant would want. But in probably never before has a client be able to say, I've read it and I'm challenging you, even though I'm paying you and your insurance policy to give me advice. It was awful. Like it was so frustrating because I was like, you need to wait and like we can't wait. And it was just back and forth. And then, you know, in the end it was a bit of a, uh, a shitstorm, if I can say that. But, <laughs> and the problem was what they were reading I was struck most by the clients that said, I've I've read it. And I qualify. It's like the legislation's not even out yet. Like, 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 you know, congratulations on your crystal ball. Like, this is amazing. If you can see into the future, let's go. Like, anyone who kind of, and I think that's the thing we we probably a lot of those Facebook groups did, and all of us did to a point, was we were we were waiting on a treasury fact sheet which didn't have have the rules. Was just the idea. We, We we were. We were, I was getting clients call me after a Prime Minister's press conference. Oh, and every time and, the and that, Josh Frydenberg got up on the screen, I wanted to just, like, 
Kill them. I wanted to hide. I'm like, I haven't even, like, it hasn't even stopped. I can hear it in the background and clients are calling and they're like, oh, well, when do I get my big novelty check of free money? I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, yeah, that was the hardest. I've, uh, I've deleted 20, oh, maybe 10 comments from our Facebook group that I thought were just so dumb. And if I was a great, my test is if I'm a graduate and I go into the partner's office and ask a question, is, am I going to get help or is he going to throw the master tax guide at me and demote me? That's the, that's the test, I think, for Facebook group questions. Lee, you like that? Look, I love Facebook groups, um, but also I don't. <laughs> Are you trying to convince us of that? that didn't no, I do. I do love, like, there's a couple that I love um, and I do find them, you know, they're a great starting point. I'll have a look, you know, it'll start me to do my own research. Um but seeing the same question 400 times in a row and it's saying, I couldn't find it anywhere, um, that's a lie. So, um, about what we spoke about yesterday about a thousand times about do we see the names in the STP come and up? I had to stop because I was like, no, I think I'm right, but it just got too confusing. And so that's why I'm saying you had to cut out the noise. It's very, if you start sort of, like reading what everyone else is thinking and everyone else is different. I lodged via SCP and zero. Maybe they didn't. I don't know. I want to, this might be a bit challenging because maybe you haven't had the opportunity to do this, but if you do get breathing space, this is probably an, an important thing to do. Have you had a chance just a few minutes, Paul, you as well, because um, we've had some chats about this, to step out of your business for just a little bit and take that, I hate this line, but the 30,000 foot view and look down at the business and say, do I still love you or what do I need to change to love you? And, 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 and do you have any idea of what that's going to be if you're going to do anything about it? Lee? What was that? Um, so I've come up with a matrix um, to rate our clients. Um, it's it, there's four sort of categories. You fall in the the dodgy and not dodgy, <laughs> the dodgy and not dodgy side, and the respect us and don't respect us side. Yeah. And if you fall in dodgy and don't respect us, you're kind of out the door. <laughs> mm. um, so and it's been really clear there are some people that we won't be continuing with because we're not comfortable with their behaviour and they don't treat us um, the way they should. So, you know, we don't, we don't deserve that. Um, and that, and that, and even if they are, oh, I was going to throw in another one, do they pay or not? Um, but, you know, no amount of money is worth being given that level of disrespect. So, yeah, we will. We will have. We like I said before. We've definitely learned a few things about clients, good and bad. Some have come out the other side with, like you know, they've lifted their reputation significantly, and all of a sudden they've gone from yeah to pretty good, and others have just yeah fallen right down the list. Uh, Nat, yeah, we've had a few of those too. <laughs> the same sort of thing that we thought, oh, you know, they never listen to us. They don't care. You know, they never get this up on time, and now they're like, yeah. You know, like they're doing everything they need they're just generally good clients um but yeah I haven't really had a chance yet to actually think about that um apart from the fact that like there's just a bit of a mess at the moment because we've just been running like hamsters on a wheel 
and just want to clean all that up. But I don't know when we're going to get to that considering we're rolling into tax planning and the thick of the end of year compliance stuff. Um, Lee, Sharon McClarfordy has picked up one of your quotes, no amount of money is worth the disrespect. I love it. Sharon, chuck it up on Twitter. Let's make that explode because I think <laughs> we can all get behind that point. Paul, what about you, mate? Have you had a chance to look down at the business from the beautiful vantage point of one of the rolling hills on your farm? I haven't had a chance to do anything. Uh, to be honest, I, it's just, in fact, people are now, I, I dreamt in JobKeeper uh, a couple of weeks ago. Like I swear, all all I remember waking up from my dream was a whiteboard with the word JobKeeper and just like, it was like that uh, scene out of the account with just glass window with numbers. I sort of woke up and was like, oh God, you know, you know you're hanging on a little too tight. Was I there giving you a big hug, telling you everything's going to no. be okay? I wasn't in your dreams? No. Damn it. No. Sorry, Actually, mate. A good thing. Sorry, mate. Uh, look, I, I think I think the time will come. A little bit what Nat said. I think that we're just in survival mode. Get it, get it done. Be there for our clients. Look at it. I think certainly as we roll into getting the tax return, uh, I, Nat, I think said it earlier. You've got clients sort of now coming out of the woodwork, going, "Oh, oh yeah, I got to get stuff lodged." Um, I certainly think I haven't had a, a bad experience with, with, I think any clients, um, if anything, one clients during this, during this part. So I think it will, there will be a point probably July, but I think that there's probably, I'm going to need to uh, much like homeschooling children. I think there's going to be a time when we get out of this, that, that I take a week off the business and, and more importantly off my phone uh, and just separate myself and have a, uh, and hopefully absence makes the heart grow fonder. Mm. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm going to ask a big question. Uh, Ron, you might want to chime in on this. This is without notice. What's next for you individually? Mm. I'm, I'm, happy, I'm happy to chime in. Um, with uh, look, my... In terms of where we are at the moment, our, our next big challenge is getting everyone back in the office and making sure they all feel safe. Mm. Um, so that's that's certainly a priority for us over the next few weeks and then getting back to business as usual. Um, we've learned a few things through this, which we will carry forward into uh, what we do at, once, once it's all over. Um, but I, I think... Um, and, and I know a lot of people have said, no, you're wrong, everything's going to change, you know, we're going to do more of this, we're going to do more of that. Unfortunately, I've been around probably too long and I've seen a lot of it before and um, it doesn't change that much. Certainly we might do more Zoom meetings than we did before, uh, we, but then we lose the personal contact with people and that's one of the big things and the mental health issues out of all of this is losing the personal contact is what's killing people. I guarantee you I miss doing From the Trenches and arguing with Paul on the other side of the table. Mm. It's just a bit off, isn't it? You guys can hear it. It's just something's not quite there. I just The delay. There's a delay and you There's can't. A delay. What about you, Lee? What's next for you personally? Not just your business, your clients, personally. Um, we actually spoke about this at the BGL sort of the uh, water cooler. Water cooler. Uh, I think it's more about balancing what I've learned in the last six weeks. And I have, like, you know, I like to fill my schedule with different things. I love to volunteer. I love to, you know, if there's some board to be on, I'll be there. And if there's something to attend, I'll do that. Um, and <laughs> it 
it's probably like I've been forced to sit back and, and be home more and, and just sort of have nothing to do and I've quite enjoyed it. So I think it's about balancing that and making sure that if I don't want to do something really, don't do it. Say no. I don't need to go. I don't need to do it. You know, don't feel bad that no one else has volunteered so you're the sucker that puts your hand up. Um, you know, it's respecting, again, respecting your own time and, and trying to balance that because you had the best intentions and then, like Ron said, we all go, yeah, I'm going to change and everything's going to change and six months later everything's back to the way it was. So it's, yeah, trying to balance that going forward and taking some of the positives out of this experience and, and merging them back into normal life. Going to be one of the questions we ask everybody is what have you learned out of this? Mm. Um, because I think that will be very interesting to see what the reactions from people are. Nat, what about you? What's next? Yeah, similar to um, to Lee, um, weaning myself off wanting to work all the time when there's nothing to do. So, like, because we're stuck at home. I'm like working nonstop and my husband will send me on my phone. He's like, you're not looking at something for JobKeeper again, are you? Like, it's just, I'm like, well, I'm at home and, you know, I may as well. So just, yeah, weaning off the work and just doing the nine to five, do some sort of nine to five um, since I'm working from home and get back into the fitness because I haven't, I've just been eating everything in sight. I've been drinking quite a bit more. So maybe not drinking during the week. That might be a thing that I keep trying to do every week and it gets to Wednesday and it's, you know, not really going to plan. But I think, yeah, getting back to that self-care and looking after myself. Um, I've been joking that um, the CA needs to join in partnership with AA after this. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of drinking I've seen on Twitter. Uh, AAA, there you go. Yeah, that might be the best thing they could ever do for their members. I think there was, there was a great quote that said, you're either going to come out of it a, a drunk, a hunk, or a chunk. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, I, I think we, I, hopefully you can get two or three. I'm, I'm, I'm running for two or three. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm fairly confident we're going to come in as a hunk. The, um, <laughs> there's a good question. Yeah. It's, it's late, isn't it? It's late. It's, yeah, I can tell uh, it's late. Fairly confident about it. Um, just starting to strut, shoulders back, chin up. The, there's a really good question from Sam Rotberg. Now, Sam's a bit different to the average trenches listener. Sam's got, I think, three or four partners. Sam, maybe can you talk? You'd be pushing 20 to 30 staff, I reckon. And he's made the comment that some staff will be getting different personal development plans based on what we've seen this week. Yeah, okay. What do you reckon, guys? 30-plus employees. So HR is quite important for that practice. You've all got staff. What do you reckon? Yeah, I think um, just the feedback from our staff is they've also sort of wanted, they'll be wanting to change a bit of the way they work as well. Um, they've probably never had the opportunity to work from home or have that sort of flexibility um, that Ali and I enjoy. Um, and I guess, and I said to Ali, you know, they've proven now that like our, our productivity is through the roof. Um, and that's not just from Ali and I, that's from the staff too. We're smashing our workflow. Um, and so I think they really, it's probably in our eyes made us realise that um, they are uh, trustworthy and that we can sort of, you know, be more flexible with them and, and you know, that sort of stuff. We've always had lots of people working from home, so... 
it's not going to make, you know, there'll be more of it. And we were planning on doing more anyway before all this started. We were actually having a look at a, a restructuring a little bit the way that the teams work because uh, the senior guys have always worked from home. Um, the more junior people probably haven't. So uh, we've just, this has shown us that they can. Uh, but again, it's going to depend on what they're doing, which team they're in and, and their personality types. Uh, a lot of them need to be with people. Uh, we find especially our um, account managers, the salespeople, they like to be around people. The support guys like to be around people. The developers, on the other hand, they wouldn't know if people were around them anyway a lot of the time. So, <laughs> they're happy. They're, they're happy. happy either way. <laughs> so uh, the, we'll, we'll have a look at what we do with that. Um, may, mean we never, may, may mean we don't have to move into a bigger building at some point in the future. Oh, yeah. Well, I can tell you, since, since joining the software side, the biggest experience is working out how to work with developers. Can, can I pose one more question? I don't do that much of it. <laughs> I think we are getting on on time, so we, we do need to wrap this up. I want to ask one more question. Uh, we'll go around the screen uh, for the last question. I want to pose what is the one thing that, uh, the one change that's happened during the last couple of months? Um, during this that you hope uh, will change for good um, and hope that sticks after we return to, to somewhat normal, uh, given I posed the question, I will, I will go first. I am enjoying and I think one thing that I hope stays is the fact that we are giving each other more leeway to if kids jump into a Zoom call or if, um, people are distracted by family or, or have other things on their plate. I, I think that that's something I hope that we we continue and we keep being that accepted um, uh, or accepting of of people uh, that they have other lives outside work. That's what that's what I hope. Uh, it's always nice seeing kids run into into Zoom meetings. I know I've had. I'm, I can't believe mine haven't haven't run in. But uh, uh, anyone else? Um, I, as much as I was just bagging the Facebook groups, um, I hope that the collaboration and community feel that has developed over the last sort of six to eight weeks continues. Like I've loved catching up with um, the guys over the BGL water cooler stuff. There's been some great stuff going on on, on Twitter and um, more so, yeah, like just the social side of it rather than, you know, advice on JobKeeper. Um, it's just been a really great, like, we've really got to know other accountants and other people in this space that wouldn't have happened um, if, if, you know, we weren't in lockdown. And it's been, it's been really good and that, that's something that I hope continues because as much as we all go to ZeroCon and that kind of stuff, you don't really get out of your bubble and you don't really talk to anyone other than who you know. Whereas when you go into a Zoom call or a webinar, like, you're kind of forced to interact with everybody and you, you sort of start to get to know people. Well, look, I, I think there's a lot of opportunities to do stuff around digital communications that we weren't doing before. And I think we've realised out of this that you can do it, that you don't have to be in the same room as somebody all the time. It'd be interesting to see how many client meetings end up now being on Zoom rather than being face-to-face -face mm. after all this is over. 
Um, things like the water cooler, uh, I've said to Daniel, we should keep that sort of stuff going after this all finishes. Maybe some of the other stuff we're doing around exercise and yoga and whatever, because again, people seem to like that. And uh, uh, it's, it's open to clients as well as open to the team. So anybody can jump in and do it. I think those sort of things are great and they help create community. Um, so it's something that I'm going to be throwing back at uh, our events team, Adriana, who's listening in, um, to have a think about once we, um, once once this is all over and we've moved, we're moving back to the office, uh, as to how we can continue some of these digital things. The one thing I will say, training is something that's been really interesting. Um, the, we always thought you had to do hands-on training in a training room, and we found over the last uh, six, seven weeks, you don't have to do hands-on training in a training room can actually do hands-on training online. Mm. So um, I think that's going to change the way that we do stuff um, from our perspective. Yeah. I think for me, and it's around this whole theme of community, you know, one of the things that I would like to see stay is, um, you know, the video calls with your friends and family. So quite often we just, you know, we've, got, we've had the tech for, we've had FaceTime, it's not new. We've had it for years. But we don't always use it. So just... I guess doing that more often, even for you know, family and friends live up the road or interstate. Um, you know, I've got a, quite a few friends live interstate. We usually just call, whereas lately we've been doing the FaceTime just because we need that human interaction. I think that's really nice and I'd like that to stay. Set up your own personal Zoom account and just, just Zoom everybody. Yeah. Yeah. David, wrap us up with your bit. Uh, I've asked you three times now. I can't remember what the question was. I just repeated it for you. What are you going to yeah. keep? What do you hope to What would you like to keep? Sorry, I didn't take the message. Sorry, mate. Sorry. Oh, what yeah. would you, like you just to made fun keep? of me. You said it's the question we're all answering. Yes, Paul, I can see the answers. I can't work Sorry, out what mate. the question is. I started with it, but I think you're busy typing. Sorry. Sorry, yeah. mate. <laughs> so one thing, one, I'll tell you what one thing I hope says is the same, and you, you touched on it, Nat, about families. I hope my daughter's crash keeps telling us at 11 o'clock, sign into Zoom to watch the kids do something. It's the greatest thing. It is so good. It's so easy for them to do. And I just sit there and I've got Zoom on my phone. I've got my, my computer up so it doesn't really interrupt my day and I just get to see what's happening at crash. It's just brilliant. It is, I hope that continues because I just absolutely love it. It's, it's sometimes a highlight of my day. Um, the thing that I want to change, I spend my entire day talking to accountants. I have some days I talk to 30 accountants during the day. I hope that stays the same, but I'm bloody sick of Zoom. I'm okay with phone calls. What I hope changes is that Tim opens up the corporate credit card at Change GPS. Oh. And I get to start loading up on lunches with everybody because I like accountants' company. Me I just first, me first, Tim. Need an entertaining environment. Matt, Lee, Ron. Tim, we're hitting it hard, mate. Trev, you're coming back from Bali and we're going to go nuts. We're going to pound this and we're going to oh, give everyone a bloody good time. Quick, I'm going to screenshot. It's going to be a hectic party when everyone can get back together. Mate, on us. It's going to be on us. Sorry, Tim. Who's it's recording? <laughs> It is. No, we are, we are officially recording. Look, uh, what, uh, what a wonderful uh, event. And I think that is a, a great uh, question to leave it on, Dave. Do you want to you, do the outro? You love the outro. Go on. Look, uh, thank you very much, everybody. Uh, as always, get in touch with us on Twitter, on uh, go to fromthetrenches.com.au, sign up to the email list. I must admit, there's 
kind of actually no benefit for signing up to the email list. You kind of get the show after we just publish it normally. We'll try to work out some benefit that we can give you for doing it, but it is a good way that we can keep in touch with you. Thank you very much to BGL for hosting us and putting this together. Ron, thank you so much for your time. I just wish more people talked as straight as you do. I think Lee talks as straight as you do. I think Nat talks as straight as you do. And Paul, the only reason people hate you is because you talk straight. That's what we do on From the Trenches. I bloody love it. I love all of our listeners. Thank you so much for spending time with us this evening. And I'm going to say this, and I mean this, because JobKeeper's starting to just a little bit. Have a great week. Look after yourselves. One day left. One day left. (laughs) See you, everyone. Bye. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thanks again for listening to an episode of From the Trenches. David and I love to hear from listeners, so you can reach out if you've got feedback or story ideas. Get in touch. I can be reached on Twitter at Paul Meissner underscore or on LinkedIn, Paul Meissner. I'm on Twitter at David Boyar, B-O-Y-A-R, on LinkedIn, David Boyar. From the Trenches.